Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Identity Insights by Indicio. Uh, today, I'm joined by Lynn Bendexen, Director of Network Operations, and James Schulte, the VP of Business Development here at Indicio. And we're here to discuss uh, a deep dive into the different networks that Indicio has to offer. Uh, so thank you so much for both agreeing to you know join me here today. Uh, could one of you please start us off with a quick explanation of what networks are currently available? Sure. Yeah, happy to do so. Um, so in DCO, we offer three publicly available networks. We have our public uh, test net, we have a demo net, and we also have a main net. Uh, we also offer private uh, temp net services for organizations that need uh, a network temporarily for testing or for um, or for their own uh, testing purposes or development purposes. Our goal at Indicio is to make it as easy as possible to get started using verifiable credentials. And um, one of the ways of doing that is by providing those network services so organizations don't have to deal with the um, the base layer in the, the trust triangle, uh, sometimes called the, the verifiable data registry, uh, in this case, a, a blockchain network. So why would I want to use any of these networks over each other, right? You mentioned testnet, demonet, private networks. Is, could you give me a use case example for each of those? Yeah, I can take this one. The The test net is kind of the network that we usually have people start with. This is for digging in and trying things out. You can do whatever you'd like to with this one. Make it open and, and free to do anything uh, indeed related with it. But uh, whatever you put on there is not necessarily guaranteed to be there for forever. It's has a schedule that uh, it should be reset quarterly. And if someone puts something on there that shouldn't be on there, we we need to might need to reset it at any time as well. So the demo net, it's a lot like the test net, but it's a little more stable. It's scheduled to be reset yearly or as needed again whenever somebody writes uh, unacceptable content. And then you want to use this for demos and other things. You know, once you've used the test net to get started and tried things out a little bit. Maybe you're ready to demo to your clients and customers, you know, something a little more stable and uh, kind of use that as a preparation ground for moving to our mainnet, which is our production network. Uh, the mainnet is never scheduled for reset. It's our most stable network and you can run any of your production class use cases on that one. Uh, then a temp net is something that we set up for you personally and you can use it to run load testing or private tests of any sort, or you know some some of the things James mentioned. Uh, you can also use uh, it as a private network for your own personal production network if you need uh, something like that. It just depends on your use case, and uh, what we do is charge a variable rate for that sort of thing, uh, depending on what whatever you need for that. Okay. Um, would you mind going into that that private temp net? Like if you're using it for a private network, is it super temporary? Can it be set up for more long-term stuff? What uh, Can you tell me about the private aspect of that a little bit more? Uh, a private network is so that only you and people that you approve of the, uh, can have access to it and use it. Uh, and you can use it for whatever you want. It, it can be a production level thing in a more permanent basis if that's what you need it for. Um, so we, we call it a temp net, but that's just kind of the class uh, of networks. It kind of means a, a private network that you can use for whatever purpose. And, um, it's just a, a hyperledger indie identity network that you can use for whatever you need to, to use an identity network for. 
Okay, but only you have access. Sounds good. Um, so you did mention pricing a little bit there. Could you go into the the cost of using every each of these networks? Is there a cost per person? Is it per organization? How does that break down? Yeah, I can take this one. Uh, so our pricing is, is simple and straightforward. Our test net and our demo net are completely free to use. So if an organization wants to get started today, uh, no payment necessary, you can hop on, start building. And on our website, on our self-serve portal, um, you can uh, get your, your did and ver key and go ahead and get going. Pretty, pretty straightforward. Our main net, um, because it is a production level network, uh, that one uh, does have a cost. That one is a, a uh, lump sum fee for the year. Um, there's not a, a varying price structure. We like to make it as, as clear cut as possible. Um, so it's uh, 5,000 USD uh, per year for an organization. Um, for unlimited rights to the network. So that is, uh, you know, credential definitions, uh, that's, um, you know, anchoring a did to the ledger, um, any revocations that need to be made, um, unlimited transactions of any kind to the network. Um, keep in mind, you could, you know, you could do one network right and issue millions of credentials based off of that right to the ledger. Um, so it's it's very affordable. Um, it makes it easy for accounting departments to factor in the cost of using the network. Uh, there are discounts available for uh, node operators or organizations who volunteer to operate a node on any of our uh, any of our networks. So, um, yeah, if you have any questions about pricing or if you have a particular uh, use uh, of the network that you're looking into uh, where you have some questions, feel free to reach out to us about that. And we can work with you. All right. Awesome. Seems pretty straightforward there. Um, so, right. Why would you want to use the network? Can you go into some of like the projects, maybe without, you know, naming names, obviously, but what are some of the projects that are being built using the network? Yeah. So there's some really cool ones out there right now. Uh, and a lot of the organizations we work with are at, at different stages of their projects. So either from the incubation testing phase, all the way to, uh, production phase, uh, with credentials out in the wild being used, uh, every day for, for real business purposes. One of my personal favorite use cases at the moment um, is an organization using the network uh, called Bullet ID. They're using verifiable credentials for um, the tracking of munitions to help reduce the uh, amount of illegal uh, weapons proliferation, making it uh, possible for, for governments and for law enforcement to keep track of, of uh, inventory, munition inventory to keep, to keep communities safer. Um, it makes it possible to um, identify where uh, munitions are coming from, uh, where they've been transferred to, the manufacturer, et cetera. Um, it's just a very interesting use case, and I think one that has a lot of value for society as a whole. Um, but an application of this technology uh, beyond just a human identity aspect to an actual item or uh, object that, that uses verifiable credentials. So there's a lot of really interesting impl implications from that. Um, we have organizations using the network for uh, issuing and verifying education credentials to prove educational history. So whether that's a diploma issued by a university or some sort of accreditation or certification from um, a governing body and an individual needs to prove that they truly did the work to uh, achieve that accreditation. Uh, we have an organization using the network to issue metaverse credentials or credentials to prove identity or age or any sort of requirement in order to enter a metaverse situation. 
Um, that gets interesting when you factor in all of the different uh, metaverse situations and cross metaverse use cases where uh, identity verification um, is important and especially allowing for the user to have control over their own identity and uh, have the decision-making ability to decide what information to share and, and where. Um, obviously there's there's the standard use cases, I shouldn't say standard, but because they're still exciting, but with, with healthcare, for example, being able to prove health status, uh, organizations are using network to issue health credentials. Um, you know, obviously during the, the pandemic uh, being used for, and still being used for this uh, use case of um, you know, proof of health status, proof of, um, of COVID-19 vaccination or uh, COVID testing, for example. Um, network is also being used for age verification, uh, travel, uh, as well as financial uh, use cases as well, particularly for KYC for banking customers and for uh, credit union customers. Um, so that's just a, a list of some of the uh, recent use cases and uh, there's a lot more, there's a, a growing uh, pipeline of use cases in the works that we're excited to talk about publicly. Awesome. Well, that already sounds like uh, quite a list there. And uh, I do agree the, the bullet ID one is is pretty cool. We've uh, actually talked to them on the show before, so I'll have a link to that in the description if people want to learn more about that. Why would you choose to build on a decentralized network to kind of solve these problems? Could one of you go into that a little bit? Sure. Yeah, I'll take a crack at it and Lynn, feel free to fill in the gaps here, but the decentralized identity network, um, in this case, a, a, a blockchain or a distributed ledger, it acts as a verifiable data registry that brings that layer of cryptographic trust into a trusted digital ecosystem. Um, they play a key role in uh, mediating the creation and verification of uh, key components of the, of the credentials. So you have the identifiers, you have the keys and uh, other relevant data needed to verify where the credential came from, that the information within it hasn't been tampered with, um, the information needed to, to verify it. Um, so it also is the place where a few key pieces of data are held. So that's where the uh, DIDs are anchored, the decentralized identifiers. You also have the DID docs, uh, other information related to the DID as well as schemas. Um, it's important to note that there's no personal uh, personally identifiable information or PII that goes on the ledger. That's a, a big no-no in the, the decentralized identity world. What's on the ledger is the information needed to verify the authenticity of the credential, but it's not revealing necessarily what's in the credential. Um, so if you build on a, a decentralized uh, network, it enables that decentralized identity model, which reduces the centralization and, and trust issues that could arise for, arise for certain use cases. Um, so for our customers and clients, they're often looking to use um, trusted digital ecosystems to exchange high value data and, you know, a decentralized identity network brings the level of uh, trust needed to do so. So it ensures the data integrity, um, also the, the transparency of the data uh, is maintained. Okay, sounds pretty good. Lynn, do you have anything to add to that? Yeah, I'll just uh, reemphasize some of the main things there. It, it, James covered most of it pretty well, but the the, the big things that come to my mind are uh, the cryptography, which uh, provides for security and trust, and then the um, the ability for a person to own their own credentials. Right, they don't have to have worry about it being stored in a big database somewhere that somebody can steal them from. Everyone gets to to keep their own credentials on their own device. 
Um, so is there anything right special about the Indicio network as compared to other decentralized networks? Why would you use one over the other? Yeah, a couple of things I thought of here uh, that come to mind right away here is that our networks, um, to get started on them, it's free. You can use our test net or our demo net to, to get set up and get going. It's a, it's important to, to try things out. And a lot of people really like to try before you buy. And that's a, a really big deal. And then our networks are professionally managed. We have people on staff that take care of all of the day-to-day, -day, uh, making sure things are running and uh, management and additional, uh, you know, expanding the networks and uh, managing the network tools and keeping that all up and running. Mm -hmm. I just like to add in here, uh, one of the, the key differentiators is the, the professional staff and the professional management of the network. Um, so again, yeah, we have Lynn and the team, a uh, team of experts who have deep experience working with Hyperledger Indie networks. Um, they know how to, you know, solve problems. They know how to work live with customers to, um, help them with any specific use cases that they need that involve the network. Um, they're they're on call for for demos if you know if they need someone to to call. Uh, you know, last minute the the team is here. Um, so just having that that assurance that there is a um, you know a, a professional organization behind the monitoring and and um, the maintaining of the network um, is is really what our customers like. That makes sense. I would want someone to call to make sure it's going to work as well. So awesome. Um, so we're coming to the end of our time here, but uh, if either of you have any insights into this, uh, what's next for the network? Are there any big updates planned? Is there anything that we can kind of look forward to in terms of, you know, new functionality, anything like that? That is a timely question, Tim. As we're on the brink of uh, an upgrade to the Hyperledger Indie networks that has been in the works for uh, a long time now. We are uh, finally upgrading the the server that the nodes run on to Ubuntu 20.04. And that upgrade also includes a bunch of other cool stuff that comes with it, uh, the biggest of which is the DidND feature, uh, uh, DidND method that has been already talked about by uh, Insights a, a while back. Um, but that feature makes it much easier for a an agent to communicate with multiple networks uh, that are um, that are in Hyperledger Indie based. All right, sounds good. Uh, James, anything to add to that one? Or yeah, I just wanted to add that the networks are ready and available to use. Our team is here to talk anytime if an organization has questions or wants to wants to start building. Uh, would like to encourage people to take advantage of the free networks. Um, it's yeah, that's there's no no barrier to entry. Uh, great place to get started and great place to to get moving into production with your your products or your use cases. So um, yeah, we're always happy to always happy to chat. Awesome. Well, it looks like that is about our time here today. Thank you all so much for tuning in. Uh, if you like the content, please be sure to subscribe to the channel, and we'll continue to bring you some more news and interesting info from around the decentralized identity community. Thank you again to James and Lynn. Uh, if people want to learn anything more about these topics, uh, is there anywhere that you would suggest they would look? I'd, I'd suggest to subscribe to our newsletter. Um, it has a lot of really good information weekly. Um, yeah, check out that. Check out the events that we have. We have a, a DCO quarterly event coming up uh, fairly soon. 
And we'll also, I believe here in two weeks, be having a conversation with uh, Phil Windley, um, who has been involved in the decentralized energy space for, for years now. And he, he'll have a, a really good insight into uh, his experiences and uh, also talking about his, his book. So we're looking forward to that. So yeah, check those out. I think that pretty well covers it. We can, uh, the other thing, place you could look for more information about Hyperledger Indie and Indie Node would be on uh, GitHub and the Hyperledger project there.